You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Whether you're hunting the back 40 or chasing game deep in the backcountry, the all-new Razor Guide Pack from Outdoor Edge has it all. Coming in at only 12 ounces and in a premium wax canvas roll pack for compact storage and travel, the Razor Guide Pack is seven blades in total, including a 5-inch replaceable blade folding knife, a 3-inch replaceable blade caping knife, and the flip and zip saw for wood or bone. For more information, visit OutdoorEdge.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Hey guys and gals, welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoors podcast brought to you by Arrowhead Land Company. Here you will be educated, entertained, and equipped to get more out of your outdoor experience. So hold on tight because here we go. What is up, folks? Welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoors podcast, and today is a very special day. This is episode 100. Can you believe that? 100 episodes of the Oklahoma Outdoors podcast. This thing kind of started as a pipe dream. Uh, I had had some people tell me that I should do a podcast just because I loved hunting, I loved talking to people and everything, and then just it just worked out so well with Dan and the Sportsman's Empire. I had been on the Nine Finger Chronicles show two or three times. And so Dan and I had, you know, talked a little bit. And I think I actually hit Dan up about it first, about maybe starting a podcast. And then some time went by. And then Dan actually got back to me when he kind of started the whole empire. And, uh, you know, he was looking for more state-specific shows. We ended up talking, getting this thing figured out. And, and here we are, 100 episodes later. We've been going, gosh, I, I guess we're coming up on two years. That's really crazy. Um, every single week, I don't think I've missed a week yet. I've had one or two come out late. Uh, actually, I think last week one came out late, uh, and that was completely my fault. It came out like Monday night instead of Monday morning. But all that to say, have not missed a week, 100 episodes, so incredible. I, I just never imagined myself still being, uh, still doing this, I guess. I don't know why. Uh, I don't see myself quitting. I never really saw myself quitting. It's just hard to imagine like a hundred weeks in a row sitting down in front of this computer, talking to people, talking to people. Um, yeah, it just, it's kind of mind blowing. So if you've been a long time listener, thank you so much for your support. If you're a new listener, welcome. I don't plan on going anywhere anytime soon. So I hope you're ready and to come along for the ride because, yeah, I, I have no intention of stopping. So, uh, And I want to give a huge special thanks. Instead of doing like traditional commercials, uh, I just want to talk about uh, all my partners of the show who've you know supported this show over the last year or so. Um, I did it 
partnerless for over a year, I think. Um, you know, I was just kind of doing it because I enjoy doing it, uh, and I still do enjoy doing it. But uh, lately, we've had some partners come on, and they've just been so helpful for me getting this content to you. So, uh, first off, I want to start with the the title sponsor of the show, Arrowhead Land Company. You heard from the the founders a few weeks ago, Will and Andrew. Um, they have been a, a huge part of this, um, and they're just they're just so. I don't know. I don't even know what to say. I'm so thankful, uh, and the partnership just works really well together. Um, before we, uh, you know, started that episode a few weeks ago, we were just kind of talking beforehand, and uh, you know, I've I've had some other companies reach out and, and want the title sponsorship, but I just kind of enjoy having you know kind of that more local personal feel instead of like some big corporation. Um, and so, yeah, I really enjoy them and then it's, it's apparently been great for them. They've talked about how they've had people from in state and out of state that that's why they chose to come to them. Cause they heard about them on this podcast and they, man, they mentioned like, uh, Wisconsin, Missouri, California, Ohio. I mean, they talked about like several States. And so it's also just kind of crazy that, uh, that I don't know, I'm, I'm, people are listening from that far away. Uh, so that was really encouraging for both of us to hear really. So huge shout out Arrowhead Land Company. Uh, yeah, reach out to them for all your land buying and selling needs here in Oklahoma. And then we also have Deer Lab. Uh, Deer Lab. I, I actually used Deer Lab before I ever you know got hooked up with them. Uh, I think they ran a special several years ago with with Bushnell. Like if you bought a Bushnell trail camera, you got a free subscription. And so I started out years and years ago, and uh, have just really really loved their program. And then uh, kind of got in contact with them. Uh, they reached out to me, and uh, it just felt like a great fit. And so uh, talking to the owner, we got a partnership worked out, and uh, I have really, really enjoyed using their system. Uh, guys, I know I, I talk about it a little bit every week, but what you can do with this software will just blow your mind. And, uh, and I kind of you know got reinvigorated with it, uh, got my new account with the, the podcast and everything, and I like this spring, I guess I downloaded a bunch of last year's trail camera photos. And I think I talked about it in one of the commercials. I instantly learned something about one of my target bucks who's still out there, still chasing him. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not a huge moon guy. I know some people are. Um, but anyway, I, I made a profile for this buck and, you know, you can like see what time he comes out the most. You can see what wind he comes out the most, just all this data. And, uh, I found out that like, I think it was three quarters of the pictures that I got of this buck were all on the same moon phase. And that is just kind of crazy to me because, you know, these are over, I think I had like two years worth of pictures of them that I was inputting, you know, several months from like September to January or something like that. And three quarters of the pictures of, I had of him were on the same moon phase. So that was just like one of those things that I would have never, ever put together without Deer Lab. So I love Deer Lab. I love the partnership. And uh, oh, oh, don't forget, they have my first and only promo code, Oklahoma Outdoors, 20% off your subscription. So don't forget about uh, Deer Lab. Last and certainly not least, because this was actually my very first partnership that uh, I came to agreement with, private water fishing and guys i'm telling you look into this it is really really cool it's essentially day lease private lakes uh so uh i had uh you know the private water fishing guys on the show we talked about it you can go listen to that episode but uh you know these aren't just little farm ponds like i i asked i was like you know if somebody has a really good three to four acre uh you know pond is that something you're interested in and they said no like they're really looking for 10 acres plus i mean these are like true lakes 
and uh, part of the deal, you know, if somebody enrolls their pond into this program, you know, the private water fishing team helps manage them. They stock them. Uh, they have an electro fishing boat where they can go and kind of shock fish and get a count on them. Uh, you know, they can see the size and the health of the fish and everything. And so with your subscription, you get access to just places all over. Um, they started in Texas, and then they're kind of trying to break into the Oklahoma market. And so they already have a bunch of lakes in Oklahoma, and they're trying to get more. Um, and yeah, that's part of the reason that he you know, wanted to, to reach out to me and that this partnership works so great because they're trying to grow their Oklahoma base. And so, again, it's, it's like a subscription-based deal. I believe it's $300 a year, and that gets you access to all these ponds. And then basically each pond has like a day fee. And so you can search for location. You can search for, you know, fish species. You can, uh, sorry, you can search by price. Uh, you know, like ponds with maybe less amenities might be cheaper. If it's like a true trophy pond and like has a boat for it to use, you know, it's going to be more expensive. A few of these ponds even have like camping areas that allow you to stay there. So, you know, you can book it for two days and, you know, camp overnight. And what's really cool is like, they, you know, they want to protect these waters also because they want it to be a good experience. And so let's say I book a lake for whatever day, you know, this Thursday or whatever, they have rest days built into their calendar. So like nobody can come in and book it for the next day uh, because they want these fish to not be overpressured. And so uh, privatewaterfishing.com, you can sign up for your membership there. Really great people. Awesome, awesome thing. If you are a big fisherman, uh, or woman, you should really look into this because you're going to get a awesome experience. And, uh, and you know, it's, it's way cheaper than hiring a guide to take you out for one day. You know, this subscription and your day fees are going to, you know, you could go for on multiple trips with this as opposed to paying a guide one day. And, uh, and, you know, you're still fishing more of a small area. Like those, those fish are trapped. You're not trying to fish, you know, a thousand acre lake. Uh, you know, you can get a smaller size pond where those fish can't run from you if you're a bad fisherman like me. So, so yeah, thank you again to all those partners. Um, I really appreciate it. You have made these hundred episodes possible. So, uh, I don't have too much to say in my intro before this episode. We are finally going to talk about the buck that I killed, gosh, three weeks ago now, I think. Uh, so that's what we're going to be talking about today. Um, I did, so I actually headed out to the ranch this weekend. Um, I was on baby duty. My wife had a birthday party. And so I took our baby with me out to the ranch. And the plan was my mom and sister were out there and they were going to babysit for me while I hunted. And then I was also going to you know, be getting my elk stuff to, or the stuff for my elk trip together. Cause I have hunting stuff all over the place. <laughs> um, so that was the plan. And uh, I headed out on Saturday, and I called my mom to let her know, you know, I was headed that way. And she was like, oh, my gosh, John, I'm so sorry. We're actually leaving. And so they were not out there, um, and so they were not able to babysit. And so I was out at the ranch uh, with all of my gear, and I was unable to hunt. Um, I love my baby girl. I was not upset about it necessarily. It was a little frustrating because I was just getting picture after picture after picture from my cell cameras. I had, um, I think I had three different shooter bucks daylight, either Saturday evening or Sunday morning while I was up there, but I, I, I just couldn't get out there. Um, if you think I, or yeah, if you don't think I thought about taking my baby with me for a little bit, I did. 
Uh, but because I, you know, thought that the baby was going to stay in the house, I didn't bring any warm clothes for her, and it was way too cold. I, I was not going to, you know, take my baby out in 28-degree weather, uh, even though we were going to be in a blind. I just, I wasn't going to do that, so... So anyway, had a, uh, a family-filled weekend, um, got to hang out with my wife and baby a lot, which was great. I mean, I needed that, and I had been gone the previous two weekends, and so, I, I you know, I didn't mind it at all, and uh, and it was actually probably good because I, I tore my room apart and the shop apart and everything, went through all my hunting gear. This is my first elk trip in probably three years, um, so I just haven't used that stuff in a while. And it was, you know, scattered throughout various bins and everything like that. So uh, I, I found my my big pack that I'm going to take. Um, I found my frame pack. I found all my, like, camping gear. Uh, I bought, like, a TP tent, like a really lightweight TP tent that I'm going to take just in case, you know, a random storm comes up. Or, you know, very worst case, we get stuck out there overnight. Hopefully that doesn't happen. Um, but, yeah, I found, like, emergency shelter and stuff, uh, camping supplies, uh, all my warm clothes. Part of, I, I went. I made sure I could fit in all my layers, and I'm probably gonna look like the kid from a Christmas story. But uh, I was able. So I'll, I'll just run through it real quick, even though we're probably gonna talk about it more later. But um, on the bottom, I'm gonna be wearing First Light Long Johns, um, and then I, I can, if I need to, put a pair of sweatpants on over those underneath my hunting pants. For my hunting pants, I, I found these pants on Amazon. They're super cheap, but they're like insulated, waterproof pants. Not They're kind of like ski pants, but not quite that thick and puffy and loud. Uh, and then if it gets really cold or for the four-wheeler, I have a pair of First Light puffy pants that I can put on, on top of all of that. So that should be covered. And then on top, I have a First Light Long John. And then on top of that, I have like a Sitka sweatshirt, kind of a thinner sweatshirt, but super warm for what it is. And then, if again, worst case, I have a Columbia puffy jacket I can put on top of that. I have a Cabela's puffy vest that I can put on top of that. And then I have my super warm uh, Sitka coat. It's like the, the really thick, woolly, whitetail coat. I can't think of the name right now. Um, so, yeah, so I can have at least four layers on the bottom, five layers on top. And if I can't stay warm with all that stuff then it's, it's just too cold and I probably shouldn't be outside. Uh, I got beanies, I got face covers, uh, I got warm socks. Um, one thing I, I am a little worried about, I don't really have any thick, warm gloves. I, I hate wearing gloves. I, I think I've talked about that on here before. I hate wearing gloves. So I have some like thinner gloves, uh, you know, if it is really cold. And I, I just, I normally put my hands in my pockets with like hand warmers or something. But I might need to order some some thicker waterproof proof gloves because there is probably going to be snow. Uh, in fact, I think it's snowing up there right now, and so I do probably need to be prepared for that. But so anyway, that's <laughs> water under the bridge now. Um, been preparing for the elk hunt. Uh, I leave this coming Monday, and so uh, actually the day you'll be listening to this episode. So Saturday and Sunday are the opening of rifle season. I do plan on getting a little bit of hunting in and kind of a one last gear check. And then I'll be, you know, coming home, hanging with my wife Sunday night, and then taking off Monday morning for Colorado. Uh, I will arrive at our hunt camp on Tuesday, and then our actual hunt starts on Wednesday. And it's just a five-day season, so we'll hunt Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and then I'll be coming home Monday. So that's the plan for the upcoming trip. And I think that's going to do it for this intro. So um, I already talked about my, my amazing partners. And so we're just going to basically get straight into 
the podcast this week. So thank you guys again. A hundred episodes. I can't believe it. I love you guys. Thank you very much. And uh, yeah, on to the show. We're going to be talking about my 2020 muzzleloader buck, and we're going to get into that right now. All right, guys, this is going to be the story of my 2022 Oklahoma muzzleloader buck, and the story really starts the weekend before. So I I went up on October 21st, and I think I got there in time to bow hunt. Uh, If I remember right, I sat with my longbow that evening, had a couple does come by, but I was waiting on a buck, and of course the buck didn't come. So that was Friday evening. Saturday morning, I woke up, uh, opening day of muzzleloader hunted. I sat real quick for a pretty short hunt. It was really, really hot that weekend. Wasn't expecting much to happen, and of course, not much happened. So, uh, hunted for just a little bit, and then really, I went up there to get to work and get things ready for the next weekend, which was when I got when I was going to take a vacation day, and uh, my kind of basically mini ruckation for the year. So. Um, I, you know, poured out a couple corn piles on our place, just a little extra incentive. I checked a bunch of cameras and then I even went out to the public land and, uh, I hung a tree stand at a spot I had found the week before. I checked my camera that was out there and then I actually took another camera with me, which kind of ends up playing into the buck, believe it or not. Um, even though I didn't even kill it on the public land, but so anyway, explored the public a little bit, um, hung two cam. I moved one camera and then hung a second one. And, uh, and then went out there, went back to our place again, checked cameras and everything like that. Kind of got everything ready, uh, shot my muzzleloader just to, you know, make certain sure that it was on and got ready for the next weekend. So the next week comes along and I took a vacation day. Let me look at the calendar here real quick. I took a vacation day on the 28th. And so I headed up on the 27th. And if I remember not right, I didn't, you nope. Know, I did not get up there in time to hunt Thursday evening, and so I actually uh, recorded a uh, podcast on, or I didn't record it, but I was on a podcast, the How to Hunt Deer podcast. If y'all haven't been listening to the uh, Deer Camp episodes, y'all should go check that out. And uh, so I was talking to a couple of the guys from the network on there, and they were asking me about the upcoming hunt. And, you know, I'd been watching the weather, and we had this crazy, uh, you know, kind of out of nowhere rain front, which we needed the rain at that time. And, uh, and I told him, I was like, I don't know how it's going to go, but I think as soon as that rain front moves out, it's going to be pretty good. So I kind of knew that going into the weekend. Uh, so Friday comes along, I hunt Friday morning and it was, it was okay. I saw four does. They came out a little later. It was like 745 before I first saw my first deer, um, saw four does. And then that was about it. I think I hunted until about 10. And, uh, that rain was supposed to start about noon. And so I wanted to get, like, I wanted to go check my cameras on the public and, and check a few other cameras. So I climbed down at 10. Again, there wasn't much moving. I hadn't seen a deer in a while. So run out to the public land real quick. And, uh, I'm checking my cameras and one of the camera I had put, uh, over what looked like an old, like hub scrape, uh, like where deer, like tons of deer, would come and scrape like almost year round. Uh, you know, the dirt was worn out. I could see a licking branch over it. Um, and so I checked that camera and it had several deer pictures. Um, you know, not a ton, but maybe like 30, 40 deer pictures. There was one pretty decent eight point that had been there, uh, twice just in the last like three days. I think one time was in daylight. One time it was dark. And, uh, but I noticed there was like several does and smaller bucks that had come by like a little bit further. Um, and silly me, I did not, uh, I did not go like 
look at that trail or anything like that. Like I was very focused on this hub scrape. And when I hung the camera there, it didn't look like it had been worked, but I kind of scraped it with my foot. And uh, when I was checking the camera, it looked like maybe one deer had hit it. Um, And like I said, I had the picture of that buck hitting it. Um, And so I was like, you know, that's fairly good intel. And so I... Uh, I went to check my other camera, and on the way, I'd already passed, like, maybe two scrapes on the way to the first camera, and then on the way to the next camera, I just started, like, passing scrape after scrape after scrape after scrape, and uh, the second camera, I just had it, like, on a trail facing into what I thought was this thick bedding. Check the pictures on it. Uh, I had that same, looked like the same eight point actually chasing a doe. Um, you could see, that like, the doe's ear in the corner, and you could see the buck behind her. Um, but I didn't have many pictures on that camera. And so I, I wasn't happy. Like I said, I thought that was over like some bedding cover. And that was kind of obvious that it wasn't because there just wasn't enough pictures coming out of there. So I was like, you know what? I got all these scrapes. I'm going to move this camera. So I uh, pulled the camera and walked back, found a scrape on a pretty good open trail and uh, put the camera on it. And then I was just kind of working my way back to the truck. And uh, again, I, like I was kind of purposely not trying to walk where I'd walked in not for sin or anything. Like I was just trying to do more scouting and, uh, I was walking along and I was like, man, I think I'm pretty close to that first camera. And I walk into this, like not really clearing. I mean, it's all timbered, but just a little bit, somewhat of an opening. And I see this scrape that is, I'm talking car hood size scrape, huge. And, uh, and I'm looking around and I look over and I see my camera, maybe 20 yards or so over there. And it hit me, like, all those pictures that, like I said, I'd seen a bunch of does and small bucks and stuff, like, further off. They were coming right down this trail, and there was actually two of those monster scrapes right there. And so I was like, man, like, I'm off over there. Like, that may have been the spot last year, but it is not the spot this year. So I actually went and got that first camera, took it down, and moved it over to these other scrapes. Because they were obviously smoke. Like, you could literally smell the deer. Like, it, they were that fresh. You could just smell that that musty piss smell. Like, I don't know how, how else to describe it. So, move that camera there, um, which, you know, I, I actually still haven't got to check it. Um, but anyway, that just told me that, like, scrapes were super, super hot. And so, anyway, go back to the truck. And, uh, and that's basically the, like about the time I get to the truck, it started raining and it basically did not stop raining for 24 hours. Uh, and so Friday night I'm sitting in the truck and, uh, or I'm sorry, not in the truck, in the house. (coughs) And, uh, it's, you know, two o'clock comes around when I normally would be kind of getting out there to hunt and just pouring down rain. Three o'clock comes pouring rain. Four o'clock comes pouring down rain. Five o'clock comes and it's pouring down rain. So I'd pretty much made up my mind. Like, the day was a wash. Um, I wasn't going to hunt. Uh, I, t- I called my brother. I was like, hey, if y'all want to come over and you know bring the kids, and we'll all hang out tonight. And uh, so he's like, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll be there later. And uh, so I'm just hanging out, watching college football. Or not college football. This was Friday. I, I, the whole vacation thing threw me off. But anyway, sitting there, and uh, about 545, I look over, and it's not raining. And I pull out my phone, and I look up the weather, and it says it's raining. I pull up the uh, uh, radar, and it says it's raining. But I look out the window, and it's just not raining. And so I make split-second decision. I was like, man, I'm going, because I love hunting right after rain stops. So uh, throw on some clothes, hightail it over there, driving way too fast down gravel roads, uh, jump on the four-wheeler, drive out there, get in a blind, basically just get in the closest blind that I have to the house, and, uh, 
and I get there. I'm in the blind like an hour before dark. Like that's I only hunted an hour. Um, but the rain stops and end up seeing two kind of younger bucks. One was like a three-year-old. One was like a two-year-old. Um, but basically the plan worked. Like as soon as it quit raining, the deer came out. And it, it started kind of slightly raining again. And then as it got dark, it started raining heavy again. Uh, so that was pretty much it. So I went back, hung out with... Actually, I just went to my brother's house and hung out with the kids for a while and everything. Went back and uh, you know took a shower, went to bed. Woke up Saturday morning and checked my phone and it's still raining but it's kind of light and I was like you know what I'm gonna go like I'm here it's vacation time I don't think I'm gonna see anything but I'm gonna go so Saturday morning go out and uh I see zero deer I saw a bobcat like as I was parking my four-wheeler a bobcat uh, ran through my headlights and then I saw a coyote early in the morning and then I saw three coyotes all together a little later in the morning um, ended up sitting, I think I sat till 10 and it was kind of raining on and off, you know, kind of light rain, but, but raining. And so I'm getting like fairly discouraged because I'm, I'm halfway through my, you know, long weekend. Uh, I've seen very few deer. I've seen very few sign of deer. Like I, you know, I have, uh, man, I don't even, I have like seven cell cameras or something total. If you count all my little spy points and everything. And I think that night, I think I got zero pictures on all those cell cameras, which is, like, unheard of. Like, I, I was tempted to go around and check to make sure they were working because I didn't get a single picture. But that's just how slow the deer movement was. Um, and, you know, some of those cameras on feeders, some of them are on food plots, some of them are on trails, zero pictures. And so, again, I sit till about 10, get down, go eat some lunch, uh, but, I'm you know, I'm, I'm keeping track of the weather, and it looks like this front is supposed to move out around 1 or 2 o'clock. And so again, I'm just telling myself, hey, stay positive, like, it's gonna happen, stay positive. And so, uh, but again, like, I'm not seeing any deer, I'm not getting any pictures of deer, and so as I'm, I, like, I, I have a feeling that Saturday is going to be really good, Saturday afternoon, but I don't even know where to go, because I just have zero intel, um, and so I'm just like, I'm sitting there, and I'm running all these things through my head, you know, trying to figure out where I'm gonna go, and two things came to mind, one, I went to, back to my cell cameras, and I basically just looked for the last mature buck that I had on camera, and that was in this pasture we call the cemetery. And I should probably mention that it was not even a daytime picture; it was a nighttime picture. Um, but it was of this buck. He's I, I, y'all have heard me talk about him. I call him my two percent buck. I give myself a two percent chance of killing him every year. He's been a ten in the past, a big ten typical. This year he's a nine point, um, but anyway, he had been in the cemetery, I want to say it was like nine o'clock at night, like a few hours after shooting light ended, um, but I mean, that was just, that was the last mature buck that I had on camera, so that was one point for the cemetery, and then I forgot to mention, but when I had been up there the week before, um, I knew like scrapes were going to be starting big, and so uh, this is, I've talked about this spot before too, this is where I, I moved it from kind of the west side of this pasture to the southeastern corner to get a better wind and I was able to do that because I have these banks blinds before I just had it in this other spot because it was like the only tree in the whole pasture that I could hang a stand in um but now that I had this banks blind I could move my setup over there and uh anyway it's probably 70 yards or so from our property line and the neighbor there it, it's real real thick and nasty it used to be nice pasture land and basically it didn't get taken care of and it's a grown up and we have a really good uh, relationship with that neighbor. He doesn't hunt, but he has a daughter who hunts like twice a year. 
Um, I've talked to him, but he lets me like shed hunt over there and go over there. But he, he's even actually told me like I could shoot a buck if I saw it over there. He just won't let me actually like make a setup and hunt over there. Um, but anyway, so, so I feel comfortable, like basically with deer on this fence line. I don't feel like I'm, you know, stabbing my neighbor in the back or anything like that. So anyway, uh, this is the week before I'm driving down this fence line. And I was like, man, I just want to add something to this setup. And so this is super thick Bermuda grass pasture. Uh, I found an overhanging limb, took my hammer out of my toolbox, and I made a mock scrape in the middle of this Bermuda grass. I mean, I'm talking like I had to use the claw side and like rip it. You know, that Bermuda grass is like a, a carpet. So I rip out this mock scrape and uh, I had some commercial scent. It was the first time I had bought uh, any kind of scent lure since like 2014. So roughly eight years. But I just wanted to give it a try, so I I bought a little bottle of just tinks, and uh, so I made this mock scrape, poured a little tinks in there. Um, I went down the fence line, I don't know, 100 yards or so, found a tree that kind of like the cows had rubbed it out basically to dirt underneath it, so I didn't have to like hammer through the grass anymore. So I just kind of with my foot, you know, made a second quick little scrape, poured a little tinks in there, and left it. That's like that's it. So. So yeah, so I'm trying to figure out where to go. Um, I have this picture of the big nine point from three days before at night. And then I knew that I'd made these mock scrapes. And so I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm just going to roll the dice and I'm going to go there. I, I Like I, I'm not feeling super confident, but I'm going to go there and I feel like it's my best shot. So I leave the house pretty early. I want to say I was in the blind by like two or three o'clock, something like that, 2.30 um so drive take the four-wheeler out there park it way far away make sure it's not going to be like downwind or anything uh walk into the blind and i, I think it was 2 30 i got into the blind set up at 2 30 and so sitting there and um yeah i'm basically just waiting i was like man this front is at out they could start moving at any time and so about man i think it was like two hours went by it was about 4 30 and I feel like I've been in this blind forever. And I keep thinking like, oh yeah, like it's prime time any moment. It's prime time any moment. Because I'm not used to getting into the blind that early. Um, and I kept like looking at the clock like, oh man, like I still have like several more hours left. Uh, so sitting there, looking around, trying to, you know, pay attention to everything. I look behind me. There's a crap ton of hogs on the hill about a quarter mile away. Um, they're making me real angry. Like I'm just getting angry watching them cause I'm watching them root up our pasture and everything. They're too far for me to shoot. Plus I don't want to make that noise anyway. Uh, I think I counted, I counted at least 30 and I knew there was more cause like some had gone down into this little Creek. So I'm just sitting there watching these hogs getting real mad and, uh, turn around and like I was set up. I, I brought everything but the kitchen sink. I had my muzzle loader. I actually had my bow also in case one came to the feeder real close. Um, I had my GoPro, I had my big camera, like I'm, I'm ready to go. And, uh, I'd even, I had turned my big camera on and like filmed a little intro, you know, type thing. And so everything was ready to go. So I'm sitting there and it's about 4:50, and I look up and I'm just kind of scanning around and I just see a giant rack. And I was like, what, what in the world? I mean, completely took me off guard. And this buck is right on that, um, uh, edge between you know our pasture and the thick stuff and he's coming up coming my way coming down the fence line and so I'm watching him I, I'm you know kind of trying to get my wits about me and I reach up and I go to turn the GoPro on and it's not working like I'm looking at the screen it's like I guess I think what happened is I held the button too long trying to make sure I turned it on 
and I like I basically held it so long and it like changed the settings. So I'm looking at the GoPro, it's not coming on. I'm like, all right, forget that. Like I just want to kill this buck. I look over and I see this buck working a scrape. And I just see rack. I just see long tines, you know, being thrown around in the air. And he's kind of looking my way. He's looking at the feeder. And uh, and then he keeps coming. And he's like, he's not walking. Like, he's he's kind of on a jog. You know, he's he's in a hurry. And so I'm like, all right, I got him, you know, get something going. So I reach up and I open my viewfinder on the big camera. It comes on. And I'm trying to get footage of him because I want to get this on film. And I'm zooming in. And, like, I just I can't find him. So I zoom out, zoom back in getting frustrated again and I finally realized that somehow the manual focus had been turned off and again I don't know how this happened because I just filmed this little interview but I guess maybe when I went to close the viewfinder I hit the button or something and so again this buck's like closing the distance quickly so I figure out I I hit the button manual focus comes on turn the camera get a little bit of footage of him and, uh, but basically, like, as I'm looking through the viewfinder, I see him working another scrape, and then I see him, like, coming closer. And I was like, oh, crap, like, I need to get ready to kill this deer. And so, uh, kind of turn the camera to where I feel like he's going to be walking towards, and then uh, uh, I my bow is hanging on the left, and it's covering the left window where I feel like I'm about to have to shoot. And so, I'm kind of kind of trying to read the buck, like, is he going to come to the feed or is he not? And I quickly realized he is not going to come to the feeder. Like, this buck is on a mission. He's looking for does. He does not care about food. So, take my bow, set it off to my right, and I open that window, got my muzzle loader, and I uh, get my muzzle loader out the window. And I think he kind of sees me at this point. Uh, again, like, I'm making a lot of movement. And he's close, you know, when I first spotted him, he was 200 plus. He's now down to about 75. So I glance over at the camera real quick. I realize that he is not in the frame and I look back at him and I can just tell that he's getting uneasy. Like he knows something's up now and I am not about to lose this deer. I I knew which buck he was at this point. I had like maybe three sets of pictures of him. Uh, He was not the buck that I was in there after. He was kind of in the back of my mind. Like I knew he was maybe around but I really, I did not expect to see him whatsoever. And he, he is a nice deer. He's just big and cagey and everything. So again, I, I look at him, I'm reading his body language, and I realize that I have to act right now. There is no time for the camera. So pull the muzzleloader up. I'm resting on the window. The bank's blind. Pull the trigger, and I hear, Poof! like I know I slammed him. And so uh, the smoke clears finally. I don't see him. I didn't see him jump or anything. And, uh, and I see a little white patch in the grass. So he dropped in his tracks. I didn't have to worry about tracking him or anything like that, which is always very, very nice. No drama to the story at this point. I mean, there's plenty of drama leading into it. And I, again, I'm looking at both my cameras. Like I was, I was so ready. I was so set up to make this awesome video and have all this footage, but it just didn't work out. Self-filming is so tough, especially this time of year when the bucks are really, you know, they're on their feet, they're moving quickly, they're looking for does, they're not just out in a field, you know, kind of leisurely walking about, like this buck was on the move. So anyway, I, I shut the cameras off, I put my muzzle loader down, and I'm just taking a deep breath. You know, that's something I've learned over the years. Um, when you have a moment like this, a big, exciting moment, it's so easy, and I used to, you know, I'd get excited, I'd, I'd jump down, I'd run around or start calling people or go, you know, go want to see the buck. Uh, but I've kind of learned over the years to just take that moment in. I think I talked about this last year. 
Um, you know, I, I didn't text anybody right away or call anybody or anything. I just kind of sat there and took it in for what the moment was. Um, so yeah, it was, it was just a great moment there by myself, uh, in God's creation with an awesome buck on the ground. And then I got excited and, you know, started text. I obviously text my wife first and text my hunting buddies and, and, uh, you know, said I had a hammer down. And of course they started asking for pictures and everything. So uh, I did, I grabbed my GoPro, uh, left the gun, the blind and everything. I was pretty confident he was down, uh, walked over there and, Turned the GoPro on, you know, kind of feel myself walking up to him. And, and again, I, I had a few pictures of this, of this buck, but zero historical data. Um, you know, he just, he had come by two or three times uh, at two different locations. Um, one time he was at a different spot. Two times he had been at this spot. And uh, and again, it was one of those things, like I, as soon as I saw him, I knew which deer it was. But he just wasn't the deer I had in mind when I went to hunt there. Uh, but would not trade him for a, a second. Um, I think he might be the biggest buck I have on camera this year. He ended up uh, not scoring quite as much as he looks like he would. Um, he has nice tines; they curl in real big. He's you know he's real cagey. That's the only way I know to describe it. Um, but his tines weren't anything crazy. Uh, his longest tine was only like a little over ten inches, I think. Um, but he had really long main beams. I think one of them was 23 inches and the other was like 22 and a half or something like that. So really nice long main beams that curl in towards each other. And then again, uh, all of his tines kind of go up and then curl in. Um, he had pretty decent fours. I think both of his fours were like four to five inches. Um, and that's like when it comes to like a 10 point and like really setting a deer apart, your g4s are where you really make the you know like my buck last year he actually scored the same as this one even though he had like 12 inch g2s and this one only had 10 uh but my buck last year had really small g4s one was like two inches and one was like three and so the g4s really help you out score wise uh but again this deer had not like i was not after score um i was after the experience you know i i had set aside this weekend i i have my baby girl i have my wife it's super busy. We're very busy this year. I'm about to leave on my elk hunt. So I just knew that my hunting time compared to previous years was going to be extremely limited. And so I'd kind of put a lot of pressure on myself to, to get it done. I just knew this was going to be one of my best opportunities just uh, with the weather front, with muzzleloader season, all these factors. Um, I just knew this was going to be a, a big opportunity for me. And so to get it done, and not only to get it done, but to get it done on a buck like that, was just, I mean, almost overwhelming. Uh, and so I, you know, and I, again, I shot him fairly early. I, I want to say it was like 450. I think legal shooting light at that time was like seven. Um, and so I had plenty of time. You know, I took my time taking pictures. That's another thing I talk about a lot. Take your time, slow down, and get good pictures because, you know, that that's going to be a, an awesome memory that you have forever. And if you have like one or two kind of cruddy pictures, you're going to regret it years from now. And I know that from experience because I have some nice bucks on on my wall that I have really crappy pictures of. And so I went, got the four-wheeler. Uh, I think I've admitted this before. I bought like a, a cheap little tripod selfie stick thing from Walmart. It was like 18 bucks. So pulled the four-wheeler over, uh, set the tripod up on the four-wheeler, you know, took my time, used the self-timer, took lots of good photos, um, but then the, the, the first problem I had, I ran into several problems after that. The story definitely doesn't end with killing the buck. Um, first I looked off to my left 
and there's a, a buck out there chasing does, like while I'm sitting there taking pictures. And I didn't have my gun, didn't have my bow, didn't have my uh, binoculars or anything. So I ran back to the blind and got my binoculars, checked this buck out. Turns out he's just a two-year-old. But I was like, man, if that deer's chasing, like, who knows? There could be another big buck. So I actually grabbed my bow. You know, I'd used my muzzleloader tag, grabbed my bow, and took it back over there with me. So I had my bow sitting next to me while I finished taking pictures and everything. But I had no way to load him onto the four-wheeler or hold him onto the four-wheeler once I got him loaded. And, uh, you know, like I said, it had been raining for like 24. I think we got like over two and a half inches of rain. And so I drive my four-wheeler back to the the house, get in my truck, put it in four-wheel drive, and just hauled out there. Uh, I mean, it's like I'm as far from the house as I can possibly be, basically. It's like over a mile. So I'm like going on all our little, you know, two-track dirt roads, make it all the way back there, back up was able to load the buck by myself, which I'm very proud of. I feel like I'm getting older, but, uh, you know, I think the moment I can't load a buck into the back of my pickup by myself, like that's how I know I'm old. Uh, and so I was able to load him by myself. And I, I didn't mention this guys, this buck's body was humongous. Um, I don't have an age guess. Uh, I meant to, to ask the taxidermist to, to get a tooth out for me. Cause I forgot. I always forget. Um, I really wanted to get this buck aged. Uh, but I mean, like no doubt in my mind he was five plus probably older than that just massive body um i take him back to the house my my brother and his kids are over there and so i I bring the kids out and you know put them all up in the back of the truck they're looking at it and everything and my brother you know he was like oh yeah nice buck but once he got to looking like he completely forgot about the rack he just kept being like man that thing's got a big body like man that thing is huge and, uh, and he was, and, uh, the kids went in and I, I went to go hang him up and, uh, yeah, I hadn't gutted him yet. And so, uh, I, I backed him up to this, uh, tree limb and threw a strap over it and I had a cheap little crank and hoisted him up. But this buck was so heavy that he like, by the time I got him, uh, pulled all the way up, the limb was bending so far that he was basically still touching the ground. So I had to basically like back my track, tr- uh, back my truck back up, load him back, you know, lower him down, move him over, and uh, and then raise him up again because he was so heavy he was about to break the limb I had him. And this is a good like four inch limb that I had him on. And uh, and anyway, it turned into a long night, of course. Um, you know, I I had promised the kids I would play with them, and of course, just because I shot a deer, they weren't going to forget that promise. And so I went running around the house playing tickle monster, chasing kids, and then they left. And uh, again, it was you know pretty warm, and so I had the buck gutted, but I had to go to town to get ice, and so I made an ice run and came back and had to put the ice in them and everything. And so it ended up turning into a pretty long night. And uh, when I killed him, I had actually played. I was still going to hunt the next morning, Sunday morning. Uh, and I, I even asked my wife, like, hey, like, would you rather me, you know, come home or would you rather me hunt and try to fill my other tag? And she said, you stay and try to fill that other tag. You know, she was hoping I would just get it all done in one weekend and not have to go back. Um, but man, I, again, after I took care of all that stuff and started going through the next day and, you know, having to get him to the taxidermist and having to put all my stuff away, I ended up just sleeping cause I needed sleep. And, uh, I, I forgot to mention going into this week, uh, to kind of make up for me being gone, because uh, my baby was not sleeping through the night at this time, I kept the baby three nights in a row going into this weekend. So I had stayed up with the baby three nights 
went to hunting camp and then, you know, I was waking up at five or five thirty or something like that every morning going to hunt and then sitting in the cold rain. So I was extremely exhausted by this point. Like it took, this was not a vacation in any sense of the word. It was quite the opposite. So yeah, so Sunday morning slept in, uh, you know, put all my gear away, uh, cleaned all my stuff. The next weekend I knew I was heading to West Texas. And so I kind of had to repack all my stuff, you know, get my stuff for that trip. And then uh, was able to call Amy over at Primetime Taxidermy. Shout out to Amy. Uh, and she was able, actually I met her husband to drop the buck off. And so I am getting it shoulder mounted. And and yeah, just an amazing hunt. Amazing weekend. I'm trying to think if I left anything out. Uh, oh, I, I did leave something out. You know, I was talking about the scrapes and how that kind of played into my uh, deci- decision of hunting this spot. Um, I forgot to, you know, I told you he was, he was working scrapes all the way down that fence line. Like basically anytime there was an overhanging limb, he'd stop and, you know, rub his face on it and stuff. And, uh, I forgot to mention though, when I shot him, he was like maybe 15 feet from the mock scrape I had made the week before with that hammer digging through the Bermuda grass. Like if he, you know, if I wouldn't have been moving and distracting him and stuff, like that was the next spot that he was headed. And so... I can officially say that I've killed a buck using a mock scrape now because that's, I mean, no doubt in my mind, that's where he was headed. And uh, and I'm not sure if he would have been out there if I wouldn't have made those other mock scrapes. Um, again, I've never seen scrapes on that fence line ever before. And I check it every year because, again, like this spot, I know it can be good. I've had some success there. I've, I've killed a pretty big eight point there. And again, that, that other, you know, 2% buck that I've been chasing for years, he hangs out there. I've seen a lot of good bucks there. It's just really hard for me to hunt because it's just a stupid big Bermuda grass pasture. Um, so I was just looking for some kind of edge, you know, literally and physically there. Just just looking for something else that, to draw deer to this area. And so I made those mock scrapes. And as it turns out, I killed my 22, 2022 muzzleloader buck because of those mock scrapes. So... I know uh, by the time I'm getting this out, it's kind of late to use that information for this year. Um, and I'll try to, you know, I thought about it this year. I've, I've done a pretty bad job of, of getting that out to folks. But uh, next year, keep that in the back of your mind. Uh, as far as the scent, the, like the, the fake bottle of scent, I, I, I can't say that I killed this buck because of it. But I can't say I didn't kill it because of it. Um, I think, you know, if you just rough up that ground with your foot, and you can't just do that anywhere. Like, you got to have the right licking branch that's a big part of this you want to look for a branch maybe five feet off the ground something like that um an oak branch is great uh cedars can work but i think oak works a little better but it's all about positioning it's where it's at you know on a field edge like this was is fantastic you got to get all the grass and leaves out of there you know you got to work it down to the dirt you got to make it look like a deer's been pawing the earth um got to have the licking branch there it's got to be the right type of tree it's got to be at the right height all that stuff and then, uh, you know, a lot of people just make mock scrapes with their own urine. Like, uh, I just didn't have to pee at that moment. I, I kind of wanted to try that. I, I've done it before, you know, in other places. Um, but anyway, I had the bottle of Tinks, so I used it. And lo and behold, killed a buck. So take that for, for as you will. Oh, man, what else with this hunt? I, I guess that's it, guys. I guess that's the story. Um, again, you know, I described the buck real cagey, nice. I don't think I ever said the score. He ended up scoring just over... 150 and so i i am over the moon for that i'll take that every year um obviously there are bigger bucks out there but there are also a whole lot of smaller bucks out there and so i'm very very happy with that even though he didn't score quite as well as i thought he would 
Um, but yeah, oh, it was awesome. That's all I'm going to say. Man, I think that's it for this episode. I'm sitting here. I'm looking at the clock. We got like 40, we're about 46 minutes in or so. I already thanked my sponsors. 100 episodes, guys. Um, that's a little bit of part of the reason I saved this story, even though I killed him two weeks ago, because I thought, hey, what a way to ring in 100 episodes than with a big buck story. So uh, I want to thank you guys for that. I want to thank all my guests also that have been on here. Uh, hopefully you're listening to this, um, whether you're just a, an average Joe or a biologist or a guide or a taxidermist, whatever the case may be, thank you for coming on the show. Um, I hope to have you back on. If you're listening to this and you're like, hey, I got a cool story like that, shoot me a message. Maybe we'll get you on. Um, if you're a company listening, hey, I'd love to promote your company on here, uh, especially if you're uh, you know, an, an Oklahoma-based company or even just an American-based company. Or whatever. If you're in the hunting industry and you have a great product, shoot me an email. So, yeah. That's going to do it for this week, guys. I'm not even going to do a, a regular outro because I just, I'm already talking to you guys. So, hey guys, awkward transition here. Sorry. I was actually completely done editing this episode, about to send it off, and realized that I forgot to wish y'all happy Thanksgiving. So, this is a super awkward little cut in, but happy Thanksgiving. Please spend some time with your family. Get out there in the woods, chase some deer, hunt some ducks, kill some hogs, whatever it might be, whatever brings you joy, do that this nice holiday. I will be in Colorado chasing elk and being very, very thankful for that. So, all right, I'm going to like just splice this back in to what I was about to say. So, awkward transition back in. We'll start right now. Sorry about that. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you guys for 100 episodes. Thank you guys for supporting me and this podcast. Be sure to check out all the other shows on the Sportsman's Empire because they are part of what makes this show work. And that's all I got for you guys. So thank you for listening to my story. Once again, I love you guys. And until next week, I will see you guys right back here on the Oklahoma Outdoors podcast.